if you're not in great shape or great health, it's, you're not going to be able to show up in the boardroom the way to execute that you need to. So you need a good balance, a good foundation. And then under that is, what are the rituals that you do every single day that promote and help support those pillars and those goals that drive you to your ultimate vision? And then finally, the very bottom of, of the pyramid is identity. And this is the game changer. Because when you shift your identity to what it needs to be in order to support those goals, those habits, that ultimate vision, everything just becomes easy. It's no longer a fight. It's no longer a hustle. It's just who you are. Hey, it's Matt. And this is Pass the Secret Sauce. Hey, hey, everyone. So today's guest is Thor Conklin, and I have to say I had a great time talking with him. It's always refreshing talking to uh, entrepreneurs that have been around for quite a while, and Thor's been in business for almost 20 years now, so it's interesting talking to people that have, have owned their own companies for that long. So actually, again, yeah, 2019 marked his 19th year, so again, this year's 20 years in business. His first company was a global risk management company. Uh, he had companies that combined revenue of $12.7 billion, and they operated in over 100 countries all over the world. So his background in risk management actually came in pretty handy when he lost a third of his team uh, in the World Trade Center attacks, 9-11. So again, if you've been in business long enough, you're going to live through events that you know, no one can see coming. So Thor obviously made his way through some pretty difficult times there. Since that time, he started and bought and sold several multi-million dollar businesses, making him a sought-after cross-industrial resource for entrepreneurs and executives in all stages of business. Thor has a talent, as he you'll, we'll get into some of this in our interview, for cutting through the noise and distractions that most people get distracted by and keeping people focused and making sure that they achieve the goals that they're achieving or that they that they've set out for themselves as you'll hear thor has kind of a no nonsense direct approach which again comes through in this interview which is, is exactly what i really enjoyed talking to him about you know again just about his experiences the way that he approaches things and just the way that he presents himself he's unapologetic and take it or leave it it's his personality which is incredibly powerful when you can you get to interact with with someone like that so so again, he uh, through his consulting firm, Peak Performance Group, he teaches the tools, tips, tricks, psychology, and strategies necessary to be a peak performer. He qualifies the psychology of success in one word, and that's execution. Nothing you've ever learned matters unless you can execute. So with that, uh, we'll get on with the show. Enjoy. It's kind of traditional and dad would get home from work around five and mom would have dinner you know, going and very traditional. Unfortunately, I didn't continue that tradition when I started to raise my family. But yeah, it just, it, it was interesting looking back because, you know, we grew up in New Jersey, had a car, had a TV, had a house. And then I went to college and started working. I was like, wait a second, we grew up fairly poor, you know, not compared to, to obviously everyone. By the time I was 20, Three, I think, 23 or 24, I was making more money than my dad. Wow. And uh, it was kind of a light bulb moment. It's like, wow, we, we did really well for not having a lot. And a lot of those 
things that my mom and my dad did in order to run the household, the budgeting and, and all that uh, really stuck with me in young adulthood and then into my businesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What were you doing in your 20s that you were already making that much money? Yeah, <laughs> so. I actually, I went to school to do risk management and insurance and it was a co-op program. So it was a semester at school and then a semester working in New York City. So I was actually getting the company to pay a portion of the tuition. And when I was working, I was actually making money. Ah, I see. So then right after I graduated, you know, I got the full-time job. So I really had two and a half years of experience through college. So the first, you know, full-time job, I was coming out of college basically with two and a half years experience. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And you, so you, you've had quite a few different types of companies. Did, did you have any, we'll call them startups that you had growing up? You know, were you the kid that was selling candy at school or anything along those lines, any of those types of stories? You know, I wouldn't call it a business other than cutting grass and doing, you know, odd jobs around the neighborhood or anything that I really could. But I was always hustling. I was a caddy when I was 12, 13 years old. I was working, you know, I'd be the first one in the caddy yard, the last one to leave. When I was done with that, I'd go out and and, uh, scour the golf course for for people that weren't supposed to be out there. And then I'd go into the clubhouse and be a busboy. So I was constantly, you know, keeping track of all the money that I was making and just hustling. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's obviously very common with all of our uh, interviewees. Everyone always seems to be hustling from a very, very early age. So, so your, your first business that you started, what was it and what, what caused you to create it? What did you see in the market that made you want to, to jump into that opportunity? Yeah, the, the first business, uh, this is not going to get any applause from the audience because it was something I kind of fell into. I was actually uh, doing M&A work for a firm in New York, doing consulting uh, for them, for another company. And I was going to go run the Southeast region for another company here down in uh, Georgia. And one of the private equity firms I was working with, uh, one of the top five, even to today, called me and said, hey, I understand you're going to work for them. Would you consider coming to New York and either being an employee of ours or being our exclusive consultant for all our portfolio companies worldwide? And their portfolio companies were Kinko's, North American Van Lines, uh, Remington Firearms. I mean, all these billion-dollar-plus companies. That phone call only comes once in a lifetime. So I got up to New York, met with the COO, and he said, look, you know, we either want you to come on or set up your own company. I said, does it matter to you? He said, no, it doesn't matter. And I asked him, if I become an employee, would I get carried interest in the deals? Because that's that's where the private equity guys make their, their money on the carried interest. They used to have that into their 401k program. And they were minting multimillionaires out of secretaries, like mm-hmm. left and right. And they said, no, we actually just discontinued that a few years ago. I said, great, I'll set up my own company. They're like, great, you have 15 minutes, go in the boardroom, figure out what the name is, figure out what you're going to do and how much you're going to charge. So my first company, I had one client, a worldwide private equity fund, and I had 15 minutes to come up with the name. So it was private equity risk consultants. That's that's uh, that's pretty creative for 15 minutes. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of risk becoming your first company, right? It you know it was fully funded, so it was a great way to start a business, knowing that you had that backstop. Yeah, absolutely. And and did you? What types of problems did you run into with that first business? I mean, obviously, it, you you hadn't actually run a business or anything like that prior to no. that yourself, correct? No, that, that, was, that was the first. If you discount or, or take out of the equation being a door-to-door life insurance salesman at the age of 18, 
mm-hmm. which I did horribly at. But I learned a lot of good lessons through that, uh, that process. You know, it, it was interesting because it really gave me the base where I had a, a, all my time was, was taken. I had the financial backstop of, of that company. One lesson I did learn really early on is not to hire the wife as part of the company. Uh, I hired her on a Friday. Monday morning, I had her come in. She was late. I had her take a check to the, to the bank that I already had like over the weekend. She's like, well, you already had this check for me. You know, you should have told me Friday. I was like, oh, this is not a good uh, start with a, a brand new employee. So I fired her by noon, uh, wrote her a check for 500 bucks and said, you know what? Our relationship is more important. You're fired. Yeah. Uh, she was, she was very happy with the entire process. <laughs> so uh, be careful who you hire. And, and, you know, on that point, you just said something that was really interesting before. And I tell people this all the time. Figure out who your best employees are. Ask them a question when they started working. You're going to find one thing in common. I've never found an exception to this. That person started working at a young age in their teens. They started doing something, whether it was babysitting, whether it was cleaning pools, whether it was cutting grass, whatever it was. Then find your worst employees and ask them, when did you start working? And you might just find out the worst employees didn't start working until after college. If you want great employees, it's part, it's part of our hiring process. If you, you could have the best resume possible. If you didn't start working until later in life, I won't hire you. Yeah, I fully stand behind that as well. Completely, completely agree. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I have one client, he's been consistently making a couple million dollars a year. He's a real estate developer. And he said, well, I didn't start working until after college. I'm like, no, no, no. You're not going to be the exception here. I said, you didn't have any job when you were younger? He goes, no. He goes, I was too busy. He said, every Saturday and every Sunday, I had this list of chores that I had to do since the age of eight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. okay, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if you're getting paid for it or not. The, the point is you had structure and you had things to do that you had to do for others. Yeah. Yep. No, I love it. I love it. So uh, you, you went through the consulting company. How long did that yep. last? And, and what did you do next after that? Yeah, so uh, it was two and a half, uh, three years that I did that. Another individual that used to do that position for someone else uh, had retired at age 40, had made enough money. He got bored, wanted to come back. And then we were either going to be in the marketplace. And at this point, I was working with other private equity firms. And I realized that we were going to be competing against each other or we can combine forces. So what I did is I merged my company into a company that he created and we formed a, a new company doing exactly what we were doing. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So you then went into a salon. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> yeah. You got into the salon business? Uh, there, was a couple of, there was a couple of businesses there in the process. There was a total of five or six startups, one purchase business. The salon business I actually purchased. So I was manufacturing equipment for the nail salon industry in Asia, bringing in containers uh, one or two a week from Asia, selling that throughout the, uh, the Southeast had manufacturing facilities here in Georgia. Complete disaster. Complete disaster. It was uh, an industry I knew nothing about. The seller lied, completely lied about all the financials. I mean, they were just fabricated, fabricated. Wow. Uh, Ended up in litigation. Litigation never solves anything. Mm -hmm. And I bought the business, get this, August 2008. So I I close on the business and all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're in a recession. I'm like, damn, I better get you know, to work here. And it was just this up and down roller coaster where I just kept pumping more and more money into it. Eventually just got to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm done. Before this thing absolutely kills me, I've got to pull the trigger. And it was really, really difficult because I had my identity and my self-worth 
wrapped up in the success of the business because all the other businesses, I had very successful businesses that I exited, made money, and this was going to be like, this is not going to be on my record. So I fought it for a long, long time. There's a time that folding shop makes sense. That, that's what I was just going to ask. Do you feel like you should have folded sooner and not folded? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I, had, I had started an insurance agency with a partner. And my job there was to get it up, get it running. And I really didn't want to stay in the insurance business at that point. So I said, you know, I'll get it up and running for you. But after that, I'm just going to hold my stock and you guys can, can run with it. So I actually fired myself from, mm -hmm. from the company. And uh, so I'm going to go do this thing. It's like, I don't know why you want to go do something else. You know, you're not going to be successful in that. Stay with us. I'm like, I'll show you. So I had that on top of it. And it was just a scenario where I just kind of let my ego get in the way of sound business practices. And then the pain just got too much. And as a business, as you know, a small business with financial issues is easy to deal with. Mm -hmm. And as that business gets bigger and bigger, as it gets bigger and there's more zeros thrown on top of it, you know, you're looking at not a $10,000 issue. You're looking at a half a million dollar issue every week. So uh, I, I, I learned my lesson there. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, what I do today there's no way I could do. There's no way I could do what I do today had I not gone through that process because I know what it's like to buy a business. I know what it's like to destroy a business. I know what it's like to have those financial issues. And those lessons that I learned along the way could never have been learned unless I, I went through that. You know, it, it's funny you turn on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook and you see this 24 year old kid giving business advice. And I'm like, until you've lived my life and you've yeah. seen it, you know, the ups, the downs, the goods, the bad, you might be able to help me with one little piece of it, but I've seen a lot in the last 35 years. Yep. Yeah. No, wholeheartedly believe in experience as being the, the best way to, to teach or to learn, I should say. Yeah. Not very fun while you're going through it. No, exactly. But it builds exactly. character. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you also are a part of the Anthony Robbins yeah. organization as well, but talk yeah. a little bit about what you do with them. Yeah. So I'm a trainer for uh, Tony and, and basically what I end up doing, I volunteer my time. And when he has a live event, if you've ever been to one of his live events, I'll have a team depending on what event it is. And that team is my responsibility throughout the entire event. And then as Tony's giving content from stage, I'll be working with him one-on-one -on -one, deciphering that information and helping him through the, the stumbling blocks that it, they, they might have. Very cool. How'd you, how'd you get involved with Tony? Yeah, well, I was working in New York, my first or second job out of college, and my boss said, hey, listen to these tapes. So I listened to these 30-day power tapes, and a couple months later, I found myself walking on hot coals, and I'm like, this is pretty cool stuff, yeah. and really didn't do much with it at the, at the time. And then, oh, I guess it was 2006, I was flying somewhere, saw he was coming to Atlanta. I'm like, hey, I want to go do that, that thing again. Did that. Went to the next event, the next event, went through his leadership program, did some private security for him for a while, and then just from there, just became one of the trainers. So oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a great, I really enjoy doing it. I don't, you know, I might spend one or two, two events a year. So not a paid gig, but I really enjoy doing it. No, that's great. Now, and, and you're also part of EO. So it, it yeah. seems like you, you have reached out to a lot of different types of organizations and gotten, you know, different trainings or 
joined in with other like-minded individuals. Can you talk a little bit about some of the benefits of taking that path? Yeah, so EO is a great organization, and EO has two tracks. So the EO organization is for businesses that have a million dollars or more in revenue. Businesses go all the way up. Sarah Blakely, a billionaire from Spanx, is a member of our chapter. But most of the businesses are around three, five, ten million dollars. Great organization because it's not a networking organization. It's a organization of peers where you can go, you have forums, which is basically board meetings that you attend once a, a month. And in those meetings, you're basically presenting, hey, this is what I'm going through as a business owner. Who else in the room has had something similar? And can you experience share some things to help me get through this? You know, to what we were talking about earlier. You know, unless you've owned a business, you don't know what it's like to not have enough money in the bank for payroll on Friday. Mm -hmm. If you own a business, I can guarantee you've gone through that at some point. Mm -hmm. So you have a room full of people that understand who you are and what it's like to go through that experience. But EO also has an accelerator program, which I was a chair of one of these groups. And that's for businesses that are doing 250 and trying to get to a million. And a bunch of amazing, you know, young entrepreneurs that are just starting out. And it's the same experience. It's just a, a smaller track. And we give trainings throughout that track of how to prepare your financials, how to read financials, how to do budgeting, how to do cash flow, marketing, sales, what it's like to manage people. So it, it's a great organization and it's a worldwide group, easy to join. And I recommend it to anybody. Yeah, love it, love it. So that pretty well brings you to today and, and what, you're, what you're doing today with Peak Performance. Can you talk a little bit about what Peak Performance does and who you serve? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because I created Peak Performance Group right after the salon business. So here I am, I ran the salon business for eight years, ran it into the ground, having to close the doors, sell up the inventory, clean up that entire thing, and there's a lot of moving parts. You know, there was 40,000 square foot of warehouse and manufacturing and forklifts and, and stuff everywhere. It's like, how do you close down something like that? So that, that was an interesting process. Then I was going through a divorce, had lost a million in cash, 50 pounds overweight. And I'm like, all right, and I'm 50. And I'm like, all right, now what? What am I gonna do? I could always go back to the insurance business, but after being 21 years as an entrepreneur, you were unemployable, or at least I was unemployable. You did not want to hire me as an employee. That would not make a good one. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I ran this business. I couldn't figure out how to make a profit. What do I do now? And then one morning I woke up, I said, I know, I'll be a profitability consultant. I mean, it makes total sense, right? I mean, all you got to do is do everything I did not do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I can teach that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's literally what it did. My friends thought I was crazy. I'm like, no, I'm telling you. I, all I got to do is say, look, here's the mistakes I made. Don't do that. I guarantee you'll make a profit. So I started a profitability consulting company. And the first year, the first eight months, I remember the team looking at me and going, is this going to work? I'm like, I'm a seasoned veteran entrepreneur. Don't worry, it's going to work. All right, so how do we do for the first eight months? I said, well, we had one client and we had $1,500 of revenue. <laughs> and I remember the team just looking at me going, are you sure? I'm like, absolutely, stick with me. So it was a slow start to say the very least. There was mm -hmm. moments that I woke up and going, I've started a lot of companies and this one's definitely on the slow track. 
and it obviously since then it's uh, it's turned around really nicely. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. But what I wanted to do more than anything, I saw so many entrepreneurs that on the surface, everything looked great. And right below the surface, they were one month away from bankruptcy. They were one month away from the whole thing crumbling. And we're going to see that right now. Yeah. And it's really sad what's going on in the United States now. So many businesses are not going to be able to reopen because everybody thought it was the go-go times and everything was just going to continue. Well, it doesn't continue forever. And I wanted to share as broadly as possible what I had learned so others didn't go through the same thing that I went through. And whether the business caused a divorce or, or vice, you know, whatever, there's a whole bunch of things from business and personal and health that were just fell apart. And then I, I wanted to show an example of what it's like to crawl out of the depths of despair. I lost 50 pounds. Two years ago, I did a double Ironman in 30 days. Wow. Climbed the uh, equivalent of Mount Everest over a 36 period of hour uh, time period. So it was about reinventing myself, reinventing my business, and then sharing that as broadly as possible. And I, I chose entrepreneurs initially. My lane was high-performing entrepreneurs that wanted to get to the next level, but something was stopping them. So I combined the Tony Robbins mindset and, and the strategies on the psychology that, that I knew inside and out, combined with the business experience, both the, the positive and the negative, combining those th two things together, and then going first. Here's my picture, 50 pounds heavier. Here I am today. This is what my business was. Here's what it is today. Because I think the only way to lead is to do it by example. And there's a lot of people out there shouting on the social media platforms saying, you know, buy my course, become the next billionaire that I've never done shit. No, completely so. agree. Completely agree. Well, let's, let's jump into some of your, your personal transformations. So what were some of the, the techniques that you used to get your health back on track from where you were? I mean, you, you mentioned you were overweight. What, were, what, what did you first start doing with your personal health? Well, you, you know, it's interesting because I didn't really know what I was doing at first. And then I figured it out probably about three or four years later. And it's part of my uh, coaching consulting platform. And I call it the peak performance pyramid. And again, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I then put it into a structure. The first part that I did was I decided. I decided that this is what I was going to do. If you go back to my Facebook and you can look at it today, you will see every December or early January, I post what I'm going to do as a physical challenge for the year. And throughout the year, I report in on it. So it's about making a decision, making it public, 
and then following through. So it was that accountability by, you know, my 5,000 closest friends on Facebook and having that core belief that I want to, I need to be a shining example of what's possible, that that's a driver within my life. But what I later discovered was this peak performance pyramid was at the top of it, if you can imagine that the tip of it is where are you going? What are you trying to get to? What is your ultimate vision for your life? All parts of your life. And it's more of a picture than, than say, I want this amount of money. The next is what are your one-year annual goals that you want to do in order to get to that ultimate vision? And then there's four pillars underneath that. And it's business and financial, it's body, it's mind, and it's relationships. And each of those goals or those goals, the one-year goals, you've got to have a spread across that pyramid. Because if you are going through a divorce and have a horrible relationship, I don't care what you do at work. I don't care what you're trying to do with your body. Things are falling apart in part of it, and it's going to affect the rest. If you're not in great shape or great health, it's, you're not going to be able to show up in the boardroom the way to execute that you need to. So you need a good balance, a good foundation. And then under that is, what are the rituals that you do every single day that promote and help support those pillars and those goals that drive you to your ultimate vision? And then finally, the very bottom of, of the pyramid is identity. And this is the game changer. Because when you shift your identity to what it needs to be in order to support those goals, those habits, that ultimate vision, everything just becomes easy. It's no longer a fight. It's no longer a hustle. It's just who you are. When I was training to become an Ironman, I became an Ironman in my mind before I actually ran the race. The race was just doing what I had already set out to do, but it was already within me. Now I just needed to go out and do it. So it's about who am I? Who am I not? What do I stand for? What are my principles? What will I tolerate? What won't I tolerate? Why am I here? And when you start to figure out and form this strong foundation of identity, it's just who you are. Mm -hmm. I, I get up at 5 a.m. every morning. People are like, how do you do that? That seems tough. It's, it's, no, it's just my body just turns on and it's ready to go. That's who I am. And I, I think there's so much information in, in the, you know, uh, on the internet nowadays of, of this, you know, set a goal, get the mindset. And this was part mindset as, as well, but it's just, it's just who you are. And when you figure that out, there's a statue by Bobby Carlisle called the self-made man. And it's a man carving himself out of a block of granite with a chisel and a hammer. And that's Thor. That's who I am. Mm -hmm. It's about waking up every day and not doing everything perfectly, but it's waking up every day and figuring out all those things that don't belong and eliminating them. And that's another thing that I'm really big on. Stop adding stuff. Stop going to YouTube and trying to figure out what you're missing. You're not missing anything. The problem is you're carrying around a lot of junk that you no longer need. Mm -hmm. And you may need to make a decision, get accountability, and then do it. Mm -hmm. And it works. Yeah, that's great. So, so you mentioned before about people who might be struggling right now, you know, they, they might have had a business and thought that everything was was hunky-dory, nice and rosy. And obviously now we've we've sort of hit this wall. It sounds like you are sort of suggesting to sort of take a step back and rather rather than, you know, trying to go in and, and find new strategies or tips or tricks or what have you to make the business better, take a step back 
and really reflect on yourself and, and who you are and, and establish those foundations. Is it, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I like tricks. I like tips. I like strategies to move the business forward. But if you try to do those based on the same identity that got you to where you are today, you're fighting a battle. First become the man or the woman that you need to be and then start employing those. But we spend a lot of time searching for that missing answer, that new course, that new Instagram hack. Okay. Mm -hmm. Take a step back. And especially today, and I do this with, I've done this with all my clients over the last three months. First thing is we need to make sure that we've plugged up the leaks. You know, we, we've got to go defensive. Let's figure out where the leaks are. Let's figure out where the excess is. We need to get rid of that. Then we need to go to stabilization. Hopefully people have gotten to the point of stabilization. And with my clients, I think with the cycle of COVID now is now it's time for offense. So now we're planning the offense. A lot of people miss the first two steps. They're still carrying too much payroll, too much overhead. And when you're in the business yourself, it's tough to, to be so close to it. You don't see it. I've got a business coach to call me out on all the stuff that I don't see. You've got to have somebody else there calling it as it is. I, I tell my clients all the time. As a matter of fact, I was on a call with a client earlier. I said, this is the point where I get fired because I'm going to say stuff that you're absolutely going to hate, mm -hmm. but you didn't hire me to tell you what, you know, you hired me to tell you the truth and here's the truth. And I say, you may or may not like it. I don't care. Here's what you need to do in pivoting your business. I don't care about anything else. And if you don't want to do it, this is not going to work. Mm -hmm. It's that clear to me. And I know it's a tough decision. It had to do with, with uh, staffing. But I said, you got two choices. You could slowly die or you can make the tough decision now and save the company and save the company for you and the remaining employees. What types of companies, people, businesses do you work with at, at uh, Peak Performance? Yeah, uh, so we have two verticals. One is dental practice owners. Owners of dental practices is one vertical. And the other vertical is, and, it, and it's morphed over the years. We serve an, an audience that are entrepreneurs that have a lot of traction. Our, our business owners are generally between 2 million. We've got one that's a quarter billion. But that 2 to 10 million is kind of, kind of the lane. So you've got an owner that was pre-COVID mm -hmm. making 250 to 500, you know, up to a couple million. And they're really good at executing. They're successful in the business, but they're hungry for more. They, they know there's more and they know they've taken it to where they can. And they're trying to figure out what they don't see. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because we'll go back to those, those four pillars. Okay. The, I'm a business consultant. So why are we talking about relationships, mind, and body? Because you're a human. Mm -hmm. And if I can't get those right, I can't maximize your business because you're running the business. How you show up in life is how you show up in your business. So it's interesting because these are very successful entrepreneurs and they've got blind spots like we all do. And they think the reason their business isn't going to the next level is because their marketing is not on point. Or, or, and sometimes it is, but it's so interesting because we find other things and the weird one. And I never thought that, it never started this way was the relationship one. And that's relationship with yourself, your spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, mother, father, employees, customers, clients, vendors, God, if that's part of the equation. And it's those things that have a tremendous effect on the business. And I, I, I can't give you details because client confidential, but it, right. it's amazing. And I never thought that, it, again, this is not something I sat down and said, okay, I figured this out and it just started coming out. I'm like, wait a second, the problem here is not 
the real problem, the underlying issue here is you, we've got some issues going on over here on the relationship side. And of course, the mindset is a, is a big one. We've all put limits on ourselves. No matter what number you're making currently right now, there's an internal thermostat set that that's where your bar should be. If it was higher, it would, your number would be higher. Mm-hmm. So we all have them. Uh, so it's about exposing those, creating more empowering beliefs, and then really grounding those in. That's fantastic. You can you can feel your passion about all of this. This is yeah, this is fantastic. Well, yeah, you know, it's it's crazy because I, I'm busier than ever. Most of my clients I speak to once once a week. You know, I've got one guy speaking to now three times a week. It's mm-hmm. like we don't have a week, and and guess how often he he presents numbers to me three times a week. Yeah, we got some entrepreneurs listening today. They haven't looked at their numbers in months. Mm-hmm. We're looking at them once every you know three times a week. Mm-hmm. Walmart looks at them every single hour. Yeah. So it's you've got to get hyperactive in understanding what's going on in your business and you've got to make shifts really fast. I had a, a prospect come to me the other day. She goes, I asked her, a good friend of mine, I said, how are things going? She goes, made $110, $110,000 this month. I'm like, great. I said, what are the financial advice? She goes, I'll send them to you. I looked at them. She had cash accounting and accrual accounting mixed into the same exhibit. Uh, yeah. She was losing, she lost $60,000. She didn't make 110, mm-hmm. she lost 60,000. And I said, you know, if you had closed the business on March 1st, you would have made $242,000 in profit this month. And she writes back and she goes, you mean April, right? I said, no, March 1st. And you just closed the business. She's like, how can that happen? I'm like, you got too much payroll yeah. and enough sales. Yeah, yeah. He That's- goes, it's, it's coming back. It'll come back. I said, yes, it will. The question is, are you going to be around mm-hmm. to see it? Does she have the runway? Yeah. Do you have the runway? Yep. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. If if people want to reach out to you or learn more about peak peak performance, where do you suggest yeah. they go? Everything on social media is Thor Conklin. Instagram, LinkedIn, the website, everything. If if you can spell Thor Conklin, you can find me find me everywhere. And one of the things, although our business is aligned with entrepreneurs that that have traction and want to get to the next level. If you're a smaller entrepreneur just starting out and there's something that you're struggling with, if you send me an email to Thor at ThorConklin.com and in 50 words or less, you describe to me what the biggest issue you're having in your business. I will send you back a personalized, so it may take a little bit of time to get it back, but a personalized email with a four-step system in order to absolutely annihilate that issue or at the very least greatly reduce it i love it i love it and you're not going to get you know follow-up email from me saying hey now that you're on my email list do you want to join my no it just that's my gift to you i love it i love it and and you also get award for the coolest name that i've i've interviewed so far so well thank you (laughs) and and i gotta tell you there's a story behind that so i was born uh randall conklin Mm -hmm. And about 18 years ago, funny story, I won't go into complete details, I was misbehaving in a local pub. <laughs> and it, it was a nickname that was given. And the nickname kind of started getting some traction. And I thought, all right, I, I kind of like the nickname and more people started calling me that. And legally, I changed my name three years ago. I love it. And I never listened to the comic books. I, you know, people would like make references early on to, to Thor or Asgard or something. I, was, I had no idea what they were talking about. So it was kind of, kind of funny. But what's interesting is, and I go back to that uh, statue by Bobby Carlyle, it became who I was. I was no longer Randall. I was Thor because I had transformed into a different being. 
Mm-hmm. And that idea of taking hammer like Thor, and, it, and the nickname didn't develop that way. It's just it's interesting how life kind of works. <laughs> and I have the statue actually over here in my uh, my living room. It, it just became who I was. And to this day, you know, friends will call me Randy, or, or nobody calls me Randall. Actually, there's one NFL player that calls me Randall for some weird reason. <laughs> my mother didn't even call me Randall growing up. But that's that's who I became, and the name just fit. So we're given labels throughout our entire lives, and sometimes at a very young age, sometimes right at birth. If that label no longer applies, change the label. And in my case, I changed my name. You don't have to change your name, but if you're always told you couldn't do it, just start doing it and form the label that I'm a doer, I'm an executor. I can do anything I set my mind to. I love it, I love it. Yeah, with that, Thor, thank you for being on the show. And you reached out into a number of different areas that I'm sure we could go down all kinds of different paths with this. So maybe sometime in the future, we'll, we'll have you on again and we can uh, explore some of those other channels. This was fun. This is a lot Matt, of fun. I appreciate it, brother. Anytime. Excellent. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thor. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.